Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined all the way from Chicago by Mr. Dave Weld. Dave, are you okay? Kev, I'm doing great. Excellent. I'm so happy about our new CD, Nightwalk. Yeah, yeah, it, it's getting a lot of airplay, and everyone is raving about it. You must be thrilled at that. We we put a lot of work into that one. We dug really deep in our souls to try and get the uh, everything just right. Right. Let's give people a bit of a, a background about you, and then uh, we'll talk about the new CD. You were influenced as a child when you found an old record player in the basement. Is that right? It was a wind-up, Victrola. Um, and uh, I found some 78s there and uh, a couple blues cuts, and I kept playing it over and over. So it was something I really liked, you know? So what age would you have been around this time? then? Six or seven. Wow, early start of them. It was uh, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but then fast forward, and when you left high school, you moved to New Mexico. And while you were there, you studied under a jazz player named Kurt Black. He, he was a big influence on me because uh, I saw an ad in the paper and, uh, you know, learned jazz and blues. But he actually, uh, Benny Carter the jazz player's uh, guitarist. And and he subbed for Grant Green, and he was in the whole scene in New York City for a long time. And then he robbed a bank, and uh, he was on the run in New Mexico. And he went as far as he could uh, south so that he wouldn't be recognized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he set, up, he set up a school of music there, and I joined him. So were you playing blues guitar prior to this then? Well, uh, I was always playing blues. Uh, I bought a Brownie McGee uh, lesson book on how to play blues guitar. And uh, that's, that's really where I learned my, uh, my blues from. And it was uh, wonderful. I met, eventually, I met Brownie McGee in uh, New Orleans. Learning jazz, was that to improve your techniques and incorporate that into the blues, or did you have ideas of maybe being a jazz guitarist? I, I, I wanted to, I would have been a jazz guitarist had I had the ability to be one, but I wasn't very good. But what I learned from his was, uh, was harmony. I learned how to uh, harmonize, and, uh, you know, I, I learned actual music. You know, from uh, from Kurt, and and so I could uh, uh, I could uh, figure out what they're doing on the record and and how to how to imitate it. From the notes I've got, I get the impression you were one of these people have guitar will travel because you would quite often jump in the car and drive over to Nevada to jam with Gatemouth Brown. That was uh, my first uh, blues trip. Really, I had an old '67 Ford. And uh, it was a stick shift, and, and we just, uh, he had a engagement in a casino in uh, Winnemucca, Nevada, and I went to uh, stay with him, 
And we did interviews. At that time, I was interviewing people as a journalist, you know, and trying to learn guitar. And, uh, you know, we played a little, and he, he told me a lot about life and a lot about being a musician. He told me all about his whole life, and I was very impressed. And then uh, I went back, you know, and uh, I studied some more. I liked his early recordings with uh, the Lionel Hampton Band. And, of course, you know, the, all his hits, uh, he explained to me about Okie Dokie Stomp, which went all over the world. And he was just a big influence on me. Well, then you decided to pack up and go back to Chicago. What was it that influenced that decision? I was done with my education. Uh, I, I was going to college down there in New Mexico, and uh, I was uh, stuck in, in a rut, and I heard one night I was out in the desert, uh, parked in my car, and I heard out in the distance there was a faint radio reception, and they played Howlin' Wolf, one of his old tunes. And I just said to myself, you know what? I got to go to Chicago. You know, that's really what I need to do. And so I packed my stuff, and uh, I, I drove to Chicago, and, and uh, I stayed with my folks until I got on my feet. But uh, that's when I started going to the clubs. Yeah, and that's when you started meeting people like Brewer Phillips and Ted Harvey. And then you moved on to the 1850 Club, and you jammed with Otis Rush, uh, Guitar Junior. So many names, I could spend the rest of the night reaming them off. It was really uh, a famous nightclub in the black community on the west side of Chicago. It was really a show club, you know, a, a club where, you know, lots of acts would come through and a lot of big name acts. And then Eddie Shaw bought it and, and he started to uh, present the Howlin' Wolf band there, uh, the Wolf Pack. And, and then the Wolf passed around January, I think. And he kept, you know, they kept their home gig there. And the band was uh, Eddie Shaw, Hubert Sumlin, Detroit Jr., Chico Chisholm on the drums, and uh, Shorty Gilbert, uh, Lafayette Gilbert on the bass. And they had uh, uh, reviews that would go through there, but they would also ask up guests every night. And so they uh, they let me kind of play in the background. I, I brought my amp, and we, uh, uh, you know, I made court. You know, I did courting and, and took some solos. And uh, all these guys would get up to play, and they're real, you know, real talented. And that was about 75, 76. And we also went to the studio at that time, somewhere in Evanston, Illinois. And uh, Bob Corator just uh, released that, that stuff. And, and it was, uh, it's, uh, he put it in a package as Chico Chisholm's Blues Party, I think. So and so on that record was... Eddie Shaw, Two uh, Tom Burke, Detroit, I think was on that, Detroit Jr., and I think there was some Hubert on there, and Chico Chisholm did some, some vocals as well. So it was really, it was a cool little CD, and I'm, I'm glad Bob released it. This was about the time that you were also a writer for Living Blues magazine, is that right? Yes. I was in contact with Jim O'Neill when I was in New Mexico because he wanted to know more about Gate Mouth. But when I got to Chicago, Jim and Amy O'Neill, they're the founders of Living Blues, they, um, they said, do you want another assignment? They said, well, go, go and interview J.B. Hutto. And, and uh, 
J.B. Huddle was in Harvey on the south side. It was very south suburb in Chicago. And uh, I drove down and uh, interviewed him, and we became friends. So uh, when it, it came out as the cover article of Living Blues, and his picture was on the cover, and uh, J.B. was so happy. Um, I remember the night that I brought him that magazine. He was playing in the Kingston Mines, the old one on Lincoln Avenue, and he was there with Homesick James and a few of the other guys. I started taking lessons with J.B., you know, guitar, every Tuesday night. And I did a little, I booked him on the north side in Chicago. And when I was taking lessons with J.B., he would, uh, I would play rhythm behind him. And he, so he'd keep, you know, be an exercise for J.B. And then he would say, well, okay, now it's your turn. You play lead. And he played rhythm for me. And we'd talk about his original recordings. Uh, which was on Chance Records, and and they came out. Um, most of them came out in 1954, and they were on 78. And we, you know, he talked all about them, and he told me, you know, you really have to write a blues song like you're a full grown man, you know, something that you know a guy is going to talk about. And I've always featured those songs we talked about on Chance Records on. Uh, on my records. I, I really like them. And it was uh, J.B. Hutto that introduced you to Little Ed, wasn't it? Yeah. J.B. went on tour to uh, Boston. He started getting booked by uh, uh, Paul Kahn. And he had a, finally he had a, a group of guys that wanted to follow him and tour with him. And so he did a lot of work in Boston. And when he came back, he said, Dave, here's some guys I want you to get with since I'm not going to be here for a while. And, and uh, it was uh, Little Ed and his, uh, his, his half-brother, uh, James Young, which we called him Pookie at the time. Mm-hmm. We still call him Pookie. And, and it was great. And uh, he said, well, you know, let's start a, let's start a band. And so we started uh, Little Ed and the Blues Imperials. And we went up and down the west side of Chicago. We played a couple South Side gigs, but it was mostly the West Side. We played at the Garfield over on Holman and Madison. We played up and down Lake Street, Boss Joe's. We played the Casablanca on uh, on Twenty First Street on the West Side, and the Garfield we played. Yeah, the Garfield was a, a club where Hound Dog used to play a lot. And so we, we went up and down these little clubs, and they didn't pay hardly anything. They're, we made about $7 each, you know, a night. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it, after a while, I got us a gig at Blues on Halstead up on the north side. And that's where Bruce E. Glower came and saw us and then decided to put us on the new Blue Bloods compilation for, CD, uh, for Alligator. And, and that's when he invited us to the studio and we made that uh, historic recording where he just said, just keep playing, you know, and we, we did our live stage show in the studio and that became Little Ed and, and mine, our first record, uh, uh, Roughhousing. Yeah. Well, then in 1988, you went your own way and uh, started Dave Weld and the Imperial Flames. And you released yeah. the album Rough Rockin' in Chicago. And that features some memorable names as well. 
That was a uh, uh, little Ed and Ted Harvey, you know, from uh, my experience with the Hound Dog Taylor band, the house rockers, Ted Harvey became my first drummer when uh, I started the group. And uh, he was great. I mean, he was a fantastic blues drummer. He had a heck of a shuffle and that snare drum was really good. So I, I decided to record us in the same studio and with the same engineers as our alligator record and 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 that that's what i did and that gave me a lot of a lot of airplay and it gave me a lot of touring because my record company was parsifal in belgium and so we toured overseas on that on the strength of that cd when i was looking through the notes one thing that did jump out at me was that you made your first uk tour in 2005 when you played at the maryport blues festival I used to be in a band, and we played at Maryport many, many times, and I'm fairly <laughs> sure we were there that year. <laughs> really? That's so cool. Uh, we opened up for Hubert someone. Mm. Pine Top. Wasn't Cotton there, too? Yeah. yeah, James Cotton was in the band. It was called the Legendary Blues Band. Yeah. Yeah, the Legendaries. And it, it was cool. Maybe you were there that year. Uh, I... Can't say for sure, but we did play at Maryport for, oh, six or seven years. So it's very likely, I'll, I'll say it's very likely that we were there, but we were in the pubs, in the, the pubs in the town. But they used to have a big marquee. Oh, oh I see. Yeah. I, I love those gigs in England. Talking to people over the years, and a few have said that when they come to the UK, the audiences seem a bit more appreciative. They were great. I had my uh, wireless. So it, it was in packed pubs. And I'd take my wireless and I'd go behind the bar while I'm playing guitar and I'd draw beer for the customers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, of course, they love that, you know, free beer, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> your second album, Slip Into a Dream, you started co-writing with your partner, Monica, didn't you? Or were you already a, a songwriting partnership prior to that? Well, we were partners because she was on that tour of uh, England with me. Right. That first tour. And so, yeah, we, and we had started, we were taking care of my mother who was sick. And so it was harder to write songs during that time. And then after my mom passed, uh, we came up with Slip Into a Dream. And uh, Monica's, uh, she's here right now, and she's, uh, well, she's the reason for a lot of the success of the band, because uh, she's a great singer, and we, we get together, and uh, I'm a rhythm guitar player, so I have a lot of grooves I, that I want to get out there. And she, uh, she she's a, a, a good person for the hook. Mm. She'll come up and, and give me a hook, and from there it's, it's easy, you know, we've got the song, we have the groove, we got the hook, and then we know where we're going. Well, on this new album, Nightwalk, it's it's almost like you're sharing vocal duties by you'll do lead on one and then Monica will do lead on one. We're a good team. Yeah. Well, there's a song on there, Mary Who, and if you actually concentrate on the lyrics, that's a very dark story, isn't it? Yeah, Monica came up with the Mary Who idea, and it was my groove. And so once we did that, it was just a matter of writing the story. 
And it's not, it's more of a story than a vocal verse. Because when I first started playing blues on the West Side in Chicago in 75, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of these streetwalkers and they had their pimps. And you could see how tough it was on these girls. And, and the pimps were, uh, they were pretty, pretty tough characters in the time. And there was incidents where in the paper, and I talked to people that said, yeah, they're killing these, these streetwalkers, you know. And I, I, I never forgot that, mm. you know, because uh, the abuse was terrible. And then they're forgotten so soon. Yeah. And so once, once they're out of the scene, uh, who was that? Oh, Mary who? You know, who was that? Yeah. Well, I don't know, just some girl that was here. She's not here anymore. Yeah. On first listen, when I first heard it, it, it was disturbing. Was that what you were going for when you wrote it? Uh, I, I was, I was uh, not really going for anything. I was just telling the story, right, and hoping that uh, it would it would be accepted. But as a matter of fact, our friends from England were over here at the time we were writing it. Peter Lee and the Union, and they were playing with us at the Blues Festival in Chicago. And I kept saying, "Well, shouldn't this song have a nice happy end?" <laughs> and nobody. Nobody wanted it to have a happy end. No, they they all said no, no, kill her. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. the album was produced by Tom Hambridge as well, and uh, he's produced many many albums recently. Did you ask for him, or did he volunteer his services? Uh, we called him and talked about hiring him. He was doing. He was working for Buddy Guy at the time. And we had thought of you hiring him for Slip Into a Dream, the, our previous Delmark CD, but we couldn't quite get in touch with him because he's a busy guy. Mm. So he was playing uh, all January with Buddy Guy, who does shows in January in his hometown and in his club. And so Tom said, well, let's, let's do it right now. And I was kind of nervous, and, but he talked me into it which was the best thing that ever happened to me because he, you know, he said, well, you'll save the airfare for flying. And then I have my hotel paid for as well. So we spent three days in the studio and I mean, he was a joy to work with because he spotted so many things. I've spoken to other people that have worked with him and he has this knack or seems to have this knack of drawing things out of a song that he didn't realize were there. He, he, he did that. He has a, a lot of experience. Like, you know, he's not just a new name. And he's, uh, I think he came up in Boston when Susan Tedeschi first came out. That was one of his first hits. But Tom has always had his own bands. Uh, so he's just deep and he's intelligent. And he, he, he drew out some wonderful things uh, on our CD. There was a song called Cry, Cry, Cry. And uh, we were, uh, Monica was singing it with the uh, chorus first. And he, he said, no, you know, and he, he helped us change it around. He said, no, put the verse first and do a couple verses, then go in the chorus, which made more sense. And, and he did a couple things like uh, intros for us. And he did our ending on Don't Ever Change Your Ways. He said, well, here, you, you know, that's a good ending, but uh, try this. And uh, 
we did a break and then drum uh, uh, four beats of a drum solo and then four beats of a bass solo and then four beats of a piano solo and then bang that was it and i ended with the harmonics and he yeah he came up with a lot of creative stuff and like we said, the album is getting lots of airplay. It's up there in the blues charts and other charts as well. Are you concentrating on this with touring and promotion, or are you already looking to the next one? Uh, well, we're doing both. We're, we're, you know, we're we have some new songs, and we like to get them going. And then we're also considering a tour in the UK. Oh wow! Yeah, somebody contacted us about a. Uh, 2023 tour there how long is it since you've been to the uk it is uh five or six years right long overdue then we look forward to seeing you again it, it would be great uh, you can come and sit in with us <laughs> i have not played for <laughs> oh longer than you last came to the uk um it's got to be about eight or well probably getting on for 10 years now since i last picked up a guitar um, anyway, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. That's that's the main thing. And you certainly seem to be enjoying what you're doing. And it's been an absolute joy talking to you. And we must do it again sometime. Oh, this is great. This is uh, this is nice to talk to you. And it brings back so many memories. Either I will try to get to see you when you come over here, or I will try to see you next time I'm over in the states. Uh, but. Thank you for doing this, and uh, all the best for the future. Well, it's it's sure great to talk to you. I, I appreciate your help with the blues, you know. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And, of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.